Awesome. What a great time of year. I love this Easter celebration and this, this time because there's a lot of open hearts, people open and ready and, and desiring to be ministered to. And, and I mean, they're just out there. People are hungry. They, they want to know the, the truth. And they want to know that the truth is true. And, and so it's, it's important that we know and understand the truth. And, you know, we live in a, in a world and a time, you know, where there's an information highway. And, uh, you know, you can, you can Google or whatever you want to call it um, <clears throat> anything about anything. And you can get all kinds of great information about what this time of year is about and all the different celebrations that go on that are traditional celebrations but that have true meaning you know I want to make this point as we bring this message today that that everything in the old covenant was not done away with everything in the old covenant was fulfilled and in the fact that everything was fulfilled now in the new covenant we have a better covenant not a covenant that did away with one but we had one that fulfilled one and, and we're going to explain a little bit about that today and what this time of the year and the season, you know, is and, 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 and to understand it in a greater way. Because, you know, here's a few questions that people have. You know, why did Jesus die? I mean, you can, you can be born again for a long period of time and still have that question, but, but why? Why the blood of Jesus? Man, I tell you, I've had so many conversations through the years with people not understanding the blood of Jesus. My mom passed a couple of weeks ago, and, and um, <clears throat> she had a different lifestyle and a lot of things that she struggled with in her life and things that happened to her. And, and, um, but in 1955, she accepted Jesus as her Savior in a Billy Graham crusade in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And when she left that, she went back to the church she was attending and was excited and she told me this years later. I had no idea that she had been born again in that meeting. And <clears throat> she told me that when she went back to the church and she told them how excited she was, they told her that, well, that excitement will wane and you, you'll just leave and you'll get back to normal. And, um, <clears throat> and so it really discouraged her because something really happened to her. She genuinely got born again. And through the years and the lack of revelation and information in those days, at least that she had, um, caused her to begin to doubt things and doubt what really happened in her life. And I know there's many people that I've come across through the years that feel the same way. And um, I, I, I had a lot of issues with my mom that I had to work through and deal with. And, and in, in the early 1990s, I had a meeting with her in, a, in another town, and she and I spent about 24 hours together, and during that time, <clears throat> she told me, that's when I found out about this information about her born-again experience. But the, the, the one thing she said to me was that <clears throat> she didn't know whether she believed that or not because she just didn't understand the blood. She didn't understand the blood. And, and in those days, in the early 90s, I tried to explain to her, but it just didn't click with her. <clears throat> but on my front porch, my front porch in 2006, I was sitting in a swing with my mom. She had come to visit me. And she said, um, I, I need to understand the blood. And so 
probably for an hour or two on the front porch that day, I explained to her about the blood and she recommitted her life. Because, you know, thoughts and ideas and stuff had just filled her mind that, that, that tried to talk her out of the experience that she had in 1955. And um, so there's a lot of people that have those questions. They have those same kind of questions. You know, why the blood? Why all this stuff? I mean, you know, it just seems like there's a, a lot involved here. Why would Jesus be the only way? Why can't, why can't you know, all these other religions and stuff make their way to God too? Well, <clears throat> I, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, but if I get to heaven <clears throat> and I was wrong, whatever, okay? I, I'm just trying to help other people that think they know the way that my Bible tells me that's not the way, and I need to help them, but only when they're open. You, you understand? So we, we don't have to, I mean, if we miss that, and, and there were 14 ways to the Father, okay, all right. I mean, because I don't study those other religions. And if that's the case, whatever, but that's not what I read. You understand? So, so I'm going to be real bold about it, but not smothering about it and not offensive about it and not whatever about it. But, but why not understand within ourselves why we believe in the blood of Jesus? Why not understand that? The reason we need to understand it is because I need to be able to convey it to other people. Huh? Yeah, I need it in, in accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need to really believe it because you can't just make a confession and be born again. You have to believe. Amen? But confession is made as a result of believing. And so that's why one plants and one waters, but then the increase comes by God. See? People, unless they're drawn by the Spirit, they won't really come to God based on truth. They may come to God out of fear that, oh, you know, I better make that confession because I don't want to go to hell. You know? Well, you know, I'm not saying that it's necessarily a bad thing to be to be scared into heaven, <laughs> you know. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, except the fact that if you don't believe, it doesn't work. You see, so why not why not us just do it right? Let's just do it right. Let's share with people what the truth is because we believe it, and instead of trying to convince somebody of some religious thing that we don't even necessarily believe ourselves. So that's why we're teaching this, you know. And I just want to just give you this kind of like this chronological order of why Jesus did what he did, why he had to do that, okay? And it starts in Genesis 1. <laughs> so it's going to be a long message. <laughs> huh? So it starts in Genesis 1. But the truth is, in Genesis 1, in verse 26... This is why God created this whole place. He created it to give it to us and to give us dominion. Verse 26 of um, Genesis 1. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them, and God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it, over everything. So he said, yeah, but he just gave them dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. That's all there was. There wasn't anybody else but the two of them, right? But he gave them dominion over the earth. So whatever's in the earth, we have dominion over. See, you and I do. Well, and just remember this as, as we just look through this. We're just going to go through and look at a few different instances. And, and where, where we're going in this is we're answering the question, why the blood, why the sacrifice of Jesus, why, everything go, why does everything go through Him? Why is this time of the year centered around his resurrection what does it really mean what is the purpose behind it okay and when god gave adam and eve dominion in the garden and in the third chapter they gave it away god never took it back so what god said was still so in his mind but where the legalities were concerned in the earth, now God had no dominion or access to the dominion in the earth because Adam and Eve gave it away to, to Satan, to Lucifer. He gave that to them, but God never took it back. So from the moment that they disobeyed God in the garden, from that moment was the plan of redemption started right at that moment and for 4,000 years we see everything every picture in the Old Testament every snapshot in the Old Testament every illustration and example in the Old Testament is focused on Jesus it's focused on what Jesus the Redeemer was going to produce for mankind or bring back to man that man lost in the garden. We lost it. God never gave it away. So his whole plan was reinstituting it in his people so that he could have connection and fellowship in the earth and so that we could accomplish in the earth what he intended for us to accomplish. That's the purpose and the plan. In Genesis, and we're not going to look at every story, but in Genesis 15... We see a covenant that God made with Abram. Not Abraham, but Abram. And he makes a covenant with him in regards to sacrificial animals. Animals that were being sacrificed. In other words, blood sacrifices. And these blood sacrifices that were being made were the beginning of God having covenant with somebody that was going to do what He said. Now, now, there was no there, there were all these different types of sacrifices that had to be made because of people's disobedience. See, we have no clue of what it was like to live before what Jesus accomplished. You and I have no clue what that's like. We don't know how blessed that we are to be able to live having made mistakes and been forgiven of those mistakes before we even committed them. We don't know what that was like. 
We don't know what we don't know we don't know what it's like to live any other way than that and most people don't even know how how forgiven that they are. We have no idea what it was like to live before the cross. And for all types of sacrifices and blood sacrifices to be made on behalf of our mistakes. And if any one little thing was, was not right, if the high priest that went in to make sacrifices, if there was something wrong in his life, he'd be taken out. Because nobody could stand in the presence of God. And yet today, as we are in this place and we're worshiping God and you sense the presence of the Lord and you know it's here, it's not here to destroy us. It's here to liberate us. That's what Jesus accomplished. So these blood sacrifices, these animal sacrifices with Abraham in Genesis 15, and we're not going to get in, I don't have time today, this isn't some exhaustive study on, on, on all of this, but in Genesis 15, there was a covenant that was established. Then in Genesis 17, there was the miraculous that took place, the same as we read in Luke chapter 1. And in Genesis 17, the miraculous that took place was that a barren 90-year-old woman became pregnant with a child. A barren 90-year-old woman. What does that mean? Impossible. An impossible situation happened where a woman became impregnated with a son of promise. And it's a picture of what happened with Mary when she said, what? So be it, according to your word. And what happened was something that was impossible in the natural, but was possible with God. A 90-year-old barren woman is a picture of Mary receiving the sperm of God and impregnating her womb as a virgin to house the living and the Redeemer of all mankind, the living God on the inside of her. That's Genesis 17. When the 90-year-old barren woman birthed her son Isaac, who is the son of promise, after 25 years of her husband making mistakes and she making mistakes and them trying to work it out and trying to fulfill the promise that God had made to him that he'd be the father of nations and they had no children. How are you going to be the father of nations when you have no children? So they're going to help him out and work it out and we've been paying for that ever since. I mean, humanity has as a result of it. But when they quit trying to work it out and they believe God in Romans 4 said and and Abraham believed God and it was a credit to him as righteousness but Romans 4 didn't say anything about all of his mistakes talks about his obedience after his mistakes to believe God that's what God needed in the earth was someone to believe him so when the son grows up to be a certain age then God says I want you to take your only son Look what it says in Genesis 22 and verse 1. <clears throat> now it came to pass after the, these things that God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac. See, see, his only son of promise. Because he had another son, but his only son of promise, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his ass and he moved on. Right? Didn't question God, nothing. Whatever God's told him to do, he was going to do it because he had learned his lesson. And what happened in that situation? Abraham did what God said. He went to the top of the mountain, had his son carry the wood for the burnt offering. Get up there, laid his son upon the offering, on the altar, to offer him as the, his only son as a burnt offering. And when they get up there, God, in the, in the, in the last moment, produces the sacrifice of a ram, so they sacrifice the ram. <clears throat> they sacrifice the animal. And so there was blood shed there, and there was a covenant. And, and what happened was, Abraham offering his son was a picture of God offering his son. And that had to be. There had to be somebody in the earth who would do what God said. And it took 25 years, and then another 15 years, 13 years, for him to come to a place where he would actually do what God said to do. And when, when he was willing to do it in his heart, God brought the sacrifice. And it was a picture of what would come about through the sacrifice of Jesus. The ultimate lamb and the ultimate sacrifice and the last sacrifice. Amen? So, in Exodus chapter 12, we see... Another picture. And like I said, everything in the Old Testament is a picture of what was to come about in the New Testament. Why the blood? Why the body? Why the sacrifice? Why did God not just say, okay, they messed up in the garden, let's fix this thing, and now let's do it this way? Because God is a God of His Word. And He gave the earth to man, and He wasn't an Indian giver, well, you know, or a whatever giver, you know. You don't say things like that today, I forgot. <clears throat> That's what we said when we were kids. Anyway, I, I don't mean that towards anybody. It's just an expression that I said as a kid. <clears throat> Better really correct myself on that. Um, but he didn't take it back, right? He gave it, and he didn't take it back. So he's a man of his word. He, he, he's a person of his word, and whatever he says is so, is so. So for 4,000 years, for 4,000 years, everything that happened on planet Earth happened, and, and everything moved towards the redemption of mankind. Everything. Think about that. When you're talking to people and they're asking you questions about this time of the year, people that necessarily don't believe, and when you're explaining to them about the blood of Jesus, explain and share with them the things that we're talking about today and that we'll end with today concerning the blood sacrifice and share with them what it means to you. Because if it means something to you, then it's going to mean something to someone else. If you're just telling somebody what someone else said, there's, not, there, there, there's no value to it. But when, when it means something to you, and, and it's part of your life, it will be effective as you share it with other people. Amen? And so, in Exodus 12, 
we see a picture here. You know, in, in Genesis 15, God said to Abraham during the time of the animal sacrifice there, He said that Israel would go through a period of oppression that they would be in for 400 years. They would be in a, in a time of oppression, and, and as a nation, they would be oppressed and in bondage for 400 years. And at the end of that, they would be liberated and redeemed. And it was prophesied, or it was spoken from God to Abraham that this would happen. And so, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but in Exodus 12 is where we see the first Passover. And for 400 years, the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. And during that 400-year bondage, they cried out, as the Scripture said that they would, wanting God to deliver them. So God sends an 80-year-old man who had been run out of Egypt, who had been his whole nation and, and family and everybody had turned their back on him, and he spends 40 years out in the desert, not really sure what was going to happen, and God spoke to him in a bush. And he told, told him, I want you to go and liberate my people, and Moses freaked. You want me to go do this? You want me to go speak to Pharaoh? who was like a brother to him, like a stepbrother. And you want me to go speak to them, and you want me to do these things? And, and, and Moses freaked out. The thought of going and having to do that, he said, you know, my, my brother Aaron's better at that. He, he, he can do those things. No, you're going to do it. He can help you, but you're going to do this. And so Moses goes to Egypt, and long story short, most of you know this story. But long story short, he comes and, and there are ten, nine plagues that come against Egypt. And God telling Pharaoh through Moses to let my people go, to redeem my people. And every time, Moses, or, or most of the time, the first few times, Pharaoh wouldn't. But then he said he would and then he wouldn't. He went back on his word time and time and time again. And then comes the tenth plague. And the tenth plague was that every firstborn in Egypt, every firstborn in Egypt would be killed. Every firstborn in Egypt would be taken out. And God tells Moses that I want you to take the sacrificial lamb and they had sacrifices of the best that they had, not some leftover lamb, but the best that they had. And I want you to sacrifice, and there's a lot of instruction in that. But as cutting to the point is that as they sacrificed the lamb, they took the blood of the lamb, and they marked the doorpost of their homes. And when they marked the doorpost of their home, what would happen when the spirit of death came to all of Egypt, and the, and the children of Israel were in bondage there. The houses that were marked in the blood, the spirit of death would pass over. And that's where the Passover originated. And it's a type and shadow 
of the blood of Jesus marking the doorpost of our heart. And now what's happened to you and I is that everything that we were due has been passed over. Hmm? When you get born again through the blood of Jesus, the blood causes you to be liberated and to be free and to be considered not guilty. You and I have been delivered and redeemed. The Old Testament calls Moses the Redeemer. He's the the picture of Jesus who is the true Redeemer. Again, Old Testament is a snapshot and a picture of everything about what Jesus was going to accomplish. And that's what this whole story, this whole story in Exodus 12, or in the book of Exodus here, this whole story about the Passover, this whole thing was about what it would ultimately come years later in the sacrifice and, and, and the ultimate and the last Passover that Jesus partook of with his disciples would be the ultimate sacrifice where all of mankind would be liberated and set free. But you see this snapshot in the Old Testament as a, as a picture and an example of what God was intending. Can't you see it? I mean, when I read the Old Testament, I can feel it. And it's amazing when, when in, in the Old Testament, the book of, I mean, the New Testament, the book of Romans, it says that the, new, the Old Covenant was not done away with, but the Old Covenant was fulfilled in the New Covenant. And the fact that it was fulfilled now, when I read the Old Covenant, when I read the Old Testament, I don't read it under the laws and the bondages of things that that happened then. Now I read it through the blood of Jesus and I see liberty in everything I read. There's liberty and freedom and wholeness and, and a people that are redeemed in the Old Testament when you read it through the blood of Jesus. That's another purpose of the blood is that we see through it. And we understand it and what it accomplished. Amen? So, let's go to New Testament and Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I love Luke's account here because I like couple of words. And what happened is they came into Jerusalem, into the city, as they still actually do today. You have that picture? There it is. I was in Israel a few years back and I should that's a that's a picture from the Mount of Olives. Um looking across, and that's the eastern wall right there. And that's the, the old city of Jerusalem on the other side of the wall. And, um, and they came for the Passover. And in Luke 22, and I'm just going to read a few verses here. Now the feast, verse 1, the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the... Uh, for they feared the people. So they were, they were figuring out how they were going to take him out, but they were concerned, and especially during this time. And, um, and so in verse 14 it says, 
And when the hour had come for Passover, he sat down with the twelve apostles with him, and he said to them, with fervent desire. The Amplified says, I have earnestly and intensely desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. Because, see, this was the last Passover. This was the last Passover before the ultimate sacrifice that would redeem all of mankind. This was, this was the fix-all. Now, now we live under the ultimate Passover. Now everything has been passed over. We've been redeemed and delivered. And that's why he so much wanted to spend this time with his disciples. Because some people don't believe this, but I believe this. I believe that Jesus, because he was all man, he was all God, but he was all man, I believe he progressively grew into understanding why he was here. You know, when he was a year and a half old, he didn't have this revelation. He didn't understand these things. See, he had to grow in that. And that's why he spent so much time in study of the Word and 30 years of preparation placed him and positioned him to understand what he was really going to do. Because there had to come a day when he chose to do this. And next week, next week, I think I mentioned to you last week, I, I skipped a Sunday, but I mentioned to you, uh, the title of my message nec- next week is the 12 most grueling hours anybody, I, I can't remember exactly how I got that worded, but the 12 most grueling hours that any human being has ever experienced on planet Earth. And that was from the garden to the cross. The 12 most grueling hours any human being has ever experienced. And that's where it started. And there had to be a day when Jesus said, Lord, I'll do it. There had to be a day. And this time that he's spending with his disciples right here, this ultimate Passover time, was the preparation of him preparing his disciples for what was fixing to happen. In other words, when we partake of communion with the bread and with the, with the juice as, as we partake of communion, and the Scripture says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of what I've done. That was, that was the ultimate communion time. It was the connection time of all of, of Jesus and His disciples. And, and it wasn't going to just be for His disciples, but for all of us after it. I'm just going to read the rest of this little passage here. He said, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. He said, take and eat and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of the betrayer is before us. And and he talked about who would betray him in Judas. 
And they begin to question and say, you know, is it me, is it me, is it me, or whatever. But he said, this is, this is, this is my blood in the new covenant. And remember, all of this was done, why? Because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Adam and Eve gave authority back. Gave, I mean, gave authority to, to Satan. God didn't take that authority back, but they gave it away. I mean, you know, my thinking is, why would you spend 4,000 years to give it back to them when they gave it up in such a short period of time? And they gave it up when they did the one thing you said don't do. You can have all the trees in the garden. It's all yours. Just don't mess with that one. And what they do? Messed with it. In such a short period of time. And now he's going to spend 4,000 years to redeem mankind. I don't know about you, but you know what that says to me? <laughs> no matter how long it takes with me, he's there for me. <laughs> no matter how thick-headed I can be about a situation, and it seemed like it'd take forever to get through it, and to come to the end of something, he's there for me. He went 4,000 years for us. I'm telling you, he can go another month, another year, or whatever, because it's already set in motion. It's already there for us. We are redeemed. And that's what he said, man, I, I've just, it's almost like he was saying, I've lived my whole life these 33 years to come to this supper, this Passover. Because now I'm the ultimate Passover lamb. And never we have to do this again. Never will people have to sacrifice animal sacrifices or anything else. Now, when you partake of this juice and this bread, he said, do it in remembrance of me. So every time we do this, we do this in remembrance that he, his blood is enough. His sacrifice was enough. What his body went through was enough. And now you and I are redeemed and delivered. And we've been given authority. And we can operate in the authority. And nothing can overcome us. Can you say amen? And, and I am, I am, you are, I am, you are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because of what was accomplished right here. This ultimate sacrifice. Amen? Hebrews chapter 9. And I'll end with this. Hebrews chapter 9. <clears throat> this is what this is what I shared with my mother in 2006. This is what I shared with her. When she was struggling with understanding why this thing had to be the way it had to be. Why couldn't it just be that... I mean, my mom was a very good woman. And everywhere she went, people loved her. In the last three or four years of her life, she's in and out of a lot of hospitals and a lot of a lot of nursing care facilities. And every place she would go, when I would come and see her in one or whatever, you know, I mean, I could be downstairs at the Presbyterian Hospital in, you know, in Dallas, and there's, you know, thousands of people in that hospital. And the lady at the front desk at the bottom inside the door knew who my mom was. Oh, yeah, Mrs. Wimber. They all knew her. And they all loved her. And she was a kind woman. She'd do anything for you. 
No, she just had a good heart. And she thought that was enough. Why can't that be enough? Why can't just doing good deeds and doing good things for people be enough? Because good isn't good enough. In God's kingdom, it has to be right. In the kingdom, it has to be right. But, but the right stuff, why would anybody not want to be right? I don't know about you, but man, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. I've been wrong a lot of different times in my life. I don't want to be wrong. I don't have to be wrong because I am right. And not only am I the righteousness of God in Christ spiritually, but I'm becoming right all the time as my thinking changes. And that only has happened for mankind since the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that's what I told my mom, and that's what I shared with my mom out of this right here in Hebrews 9. For where there's a testament or a covenant, there must also of necessity. Everybody say necessity. Not if it just works out. No, no, it has to be this way or it won't work. There has to be the death of the testor or, or the one that is establishing the covenant. There has to be. So, so right now, um, I'm having to work out my mom's last will and testament. Well, why am I working her last will and testament out? Because she died. So when there's the death of something, then, then the last will and testament. See, this book right here is the last. I'm talking about from Genesis to Revelation. This is the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because everything in the Old Covenant is a picture and a type and shadow. It's a picture and an example of what God did to redeem us. It's not just a bunch of stories that we do movies on and have Sunday school curriculum and all those kind of things. They're not just pretty stories about God and about the things. It's about God's redemption plan for 4,000 years because of his love for mankind. I'll just tell you right now, you know, the more I see that and the more I see how much he loved me and how he loved us, I learn how to love other people. I learn not to be selfish in my judgment of other people. I learn how not to, to look at other people through the eyes of criticism, but through the blood of Jesus. The more I learn how much he loved me and loved us and see it through this plan that we're talking about today, my goodness, why would you do that for me? Why? Have you ever had those questions? I've, I've had people through the years, I had a guy one time, this that was just hooked on drugs and he'd go back to his drugs and I'd jerk him out of drug houses and he'd go back to it and I'd jerk him out again and jerk him. And he goes, why do you do this? He said, because I love you, I care about you. He said, yeah, but God couldn't love me because of all this stuff I've done. See, he couldn't get it. And one day, 1.30 in the morning, I get a call and it's him. And you know what he said? I got it. I got it. Got it. See, but, 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 but you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I can drive by houses in this town and think, yeah, I was in that house one time, dragging people out of there, you know. I mean, I'm th I, you think about that, but you think, you think, what if he hadn't have done that for that guy? Would he have ever got it? See, but you don't do that unless 
the love of God. And you're not going to love people till you understand this. You won't, you won't love people until you understand what the blood did and the depth that the blood went to to deliver us. You'll judge people and be critical of people. It's so easy to be critical of people, especially when people do something to you that you don't like. Ah, listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you love the word and you love what I'm telling you today, people will hate you. They'll hate you. They'll despise you. They'll say all kinds of ugly things about you. People will say all kinds of things about you if you love this. It's just the way it works. But there's nothing greater than keeping your mouth shut when people say things about you and you're able to pray for them and really mean it when you pray for them and then your prayers work and they get set free and their eyes open. Bible says the only thing, nobody's bad because of the blood of Jesus. Nobody. The problem is people got scales in, in front of their eyes that they can't see clearly. And we've been called, and we've got scriptures that tell us we can pray for the scales to be lifted so they can see clearly and see what they're doing. So we don't have to get wrapped up in all of the drama. So much drama. Hmm? ever been in a social media battle with somebody? That's a keyboard. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you. you. The moment that you sent that, that will never go away. Well, I delete it. No, no. You can't delete it. You can't delete a text. You cannot delete a phone message. Somebody will find it. So, <laughs> keep your mouth shut. And keep your fingers going through the yellow pages or something. And not on your keyboard. We weren't created to retaliate. We were created to be as he was, to be bridges that bring things together. And there's no, when it comes to your relationship with God and understanding the blood of Jesus, it's between you and him. And that's where he says, you, you, you might see what someone else did and you go, I, I don't know that I'd do that. But you would if God was there. Or you should. You should do that. If it was between you and God in your situation, that's what you should do, what God says. And man, there's times God will expect you to do things you don't really want to do. But the more you do it, and the more you understand this, it's amazing how it happens, how things change in your life. Amen? For a testament is in force after men dead. A covenant is in force after somebody dies. Since it has no power at all while the testator lives or the, the, the covenant of 
the, the person of promise lives. When they're alive, there's no power to it. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And what this passage goes on to say, and we'll look at a little more of it next week, what this passage just goes on to say right here is that what the blood of bulls and calves couldn't do, the blood of Jesus did. It's finished. Without the blood, there is no removal of sin. You know, the truth of it is, and I'm just going to ramble for two minutes. The truth is this. No matter what you've ever done or what you will ever do in your life, whether you know it or not, you've been forgiven of it before you did it. No matter what. God didn't say things like this, just to say them. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything is new. He didn't just say things, and it was in that passage of Scripture, it's talking about the blood of Jesus. Old things are passed away, and everything is brand new. During worship this morning, when Amanda said, whatever has a name, it's under the name of Jesus. It's under the blood of Jesus. Whatever has a name, the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus, which is tied to the name of Jesus, has overcome anything that has a name. If depression has tried to set in on you, the blood of Jesus has liberated and set you free from depression. Sicknesses tried to come against your body. The blood of Jesus has set you free and healed you. He sent his word and healed us of all destruction, everything. If you feel, if, if, if you walk around with low self-esteem and you don't feel confident in yourself and maybe your life, your body, your looks, your this, I don't, I don't, whatever it would be, doesn't measure up to somebody else that you think looks better or does things better than you do, the blood of Jesus has liberated you from that mindset. Because today, the blood of Jesus is for you and I, renewing our minds, cleansing our minds, and thinking like God every day. We can live like God, we can think like him, and we can get the results that Jesus got in the earth because he went to the cross. He despised all the shame. And he said, you know what? I see Burt Wimberley out there, and I see he's really going to do what I want him to do. I see Brian Atkins out there. And I see Brian, and Brian's going to do. He saw, he saw every one of us way back there. I see them all. They're going to do it. He despised all the shame, all the guilt, all the junk, all the trash, 
so that you and I can be liberated and free. And that's what the blood of Jesus has accomplished. And today, my mother is in heaven because her son understood the blood of Jesus. Who would have ever taken the time to explain the blood of Jesus in her life the way that I did? But if I didn't understand it, I wouldn't have taken the time. You know what I could have done? I could have been moved by her lifestyle, things that she did that I thought were directed at me and all those. I could have been offended at her my whole life. But for the blood. But for the grace of God. That's why we have to know this stuff. Hmm? We have to know this stuff. And so my prayer every day for you all is that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God cause your eyes to open up and be enlightened to you so that you know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance to you as children of God and what the surpassing greatness of his power is to you as you believe the word and the things that happen. I pray that over you. You're a part of this church body. I pray that over you every day. Every day I speak that over you, that your eyes are opened up, that you see more clearly than you've ever seen before. Amen? And that you know what's been given to you. And I'm telling you today, that Passover that Jesus spent with his disciples was the last Passover that had to do with any sacrificial lamb because he became the ultimate Passover. Amen?